what is more Korean than kimchi? Probably just Korean people. <laughs> or the Korean flag. Or the country of Korea itself. You know, that one didn't make it on the list, actually. So, <laughs> nobody's perfect. <laughs> You're listening to The John Chi Show, hosted by three Korean-American adoptees diving headfirst into what it means to be adopted, Korean, American, and more. And now, here's your hosts, Nathan, Patrick, and KJ. All right, welcome to episode one of The John Chi Show. I'm Patrick. I'm KJ. I'm Nathan. Patrick, why don't you go ahead and explain to our listeners what John Chi means? John Chi in Korean means celebration. And that's really what our show is about. It's about celebrating our Korean adoptee identities and the discovery and journey that we are currently on. Today's episode, we're going to be speaking with Nathan. We're going to learn a lot about his family and the journey to find them, growing up in Oklahoma, and dating. It's going to be a really great time. A little bit later on, we're going to be trying some kimchi. Somebody's trying it for the first time. I wonder who that's going to be. It's Patrick. (laughs) (laughs) So stick around. It's going to be a really great show. Nathan, I guess let's start with uh, a little bit of backstory and your journey to America and and your history with adoption. So tell me... um, you know, all of the the basic details. How old were you when you were adopted? Where were you adopted from? Maybe what agency, that kind of stuff. Yeah, sure. Uh, I was adopted at five months old and to, lived in Oklahoma. That's where the uh, Dillon agency was. So I was uh, adopted through Dillon International. And I think they were in conjunction with uh, the Korean East agency or something like that over in, in Korea. So I uh, came over. My parents were at the airport picked me up and uh, lived there for 19 years before I went to college. And what uh, is your adopted family like? Uh, assuming so my, two parents, yeah. right? Not a single parent. Uh, and then siblings. And yeah, what was that like? Yeah. So my, my dad is a German Scottish. My mom is German Czech. And uh, they met back in college up in the, the, the Midwest. And my dad was a chemist. And so that's why they were in Oklahoma. He worked for the petroleum company there. They uh, had they adopted a another Korean girl uh, three years before me. Uh, she's she's just three and a half years older than me, and uh, also from the same agency and uh, not blood related to me, but uh, but from South Korea as well. We were both adopted essentially out of Seoul. Same. Right. Um. Okay. So, where would you say? Not where. When would you say you were first really aware of your identity as a Korean? Uh, well, being that my mom is blonde, I would have to say fairly early on. <laughs> At some point, I'm like, I don't look like my parents. But well, <laughs> uh, honestly... I mean, honestly, at some point, whenever you realize that, I know my parents were very open about it. that They were never, like, hiding it or anything. But there was always uh, um, uh, probably that thing is, like, where did I come from kind of uh, element that they would you know, talk to me about. So I was uh, informed from an early age about what adoption even meant and, uh, you know, how, you know, you know, the whole, uh, your parents are the people who raise you, not necessarily the ones who are blood related to you. Yeah. Um, so like for me, I remember being really aware of my being Korean, not just like adopted and being different from my family, but being Korean when I was like, 10, I think is when I, it really like, those are some of my early memories and maybe even a little bit younger. Um, so I didn't know, was that 
true for you as well? Like that you thought about, like you knew that you were different, but then you didn't realize that different and Korean were slightly uh, unique definitions of your identity or were you just like, yeah, I'm different and that's what it is. And then you just kind of went on from there. Yeah. I mean, I think I knew I was different because I was pretty much the only Asian in my my elementary school. I think there might've been one other somewhere in the school. I don't remember who they were. Um, I mean, but it's a small town. I mean, my town itself, I think had uh, a 3% Asian population and the, the city itself was 33,000 people. So it was pretty small and most of them were, you know, there for the company. So their kids had to have been there somewhere, but I honestly don't remember um, you know, having any other Asian friends or, you know, it was always just, uh, me in, in kindergarten or me in first grade. It just didn't, uh, um, didn't really, uh, click that I was the only Asian kid in this classroom. Never set up any play dates with the other 3% of the Asian yeah, kids. In exactly. Time. I know. I think I, I think I might've known one I recall, but it's been so long ago. <laughs> yeah. Now, Patrick, you take offense to, uh, small being 30,000, right? <laughs> well, from I, I come from a town of 5,000, so I don't know if I take offense to it. I think it's more <laughs> that I can't really wrap my mind around it <laughs> when people recognize that as small, and then my fiance is from a town of 500, so that's Whoa. like not even on the scale of registry for people that are 30,000 towns full. That's bonkers. Yeah, I mean, that was my graduating class, I think, was 500, <laughs> so yeah. Ridiculous. Uh, but yeah, it's... it's uh, I say small town because, you know, still, we we knew each other. We only had one high school, so one, you know. So it felt uh, like a small town, uh, even though the population was fairly large. It felt like a small town compared to what I've been used to since now that I've moved on in life. Every city that I've lived in since then has just gotten bigger, 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 bigger. And now it's like, you know, L.A. metropolis here. So. Gotcha. Um, <laughs> I just had an image of you doing like the tractor race from Footloose. And I was like, I know that it's probably not that small, but I was like, I bet, I bet that's what it was like growing up. And it's just him and a bunch of white cowboys doing tractor races out in the middle of nowhere. Yes. And then at the end, I do a flip off of the, the, the bar, the high bar. I did that. Hey, I yeah, literally dance. did do tractor pulls in my small hometown. So I, I did jump from hay bale to hay bale. Actually, I, I do admit that my friends lived near a, a farm, and we would go in the field. I don't think we were supposed to, but we went in the field, and there was hay bales out there, and we would jump from one to another just for fun. So that is incredible. Yeah. So okay, so you said that there were there is definitely uh, some elements of that. Yeah. So you said that there weren't um, a whole lot of other Asians around you. So when you're that young. Um, you probably didn't think about it that way when you were that young, but now looking back, who were some of the people that you looked to um, as role models or when was the first time that you, uh, do you remember, I guess, uh, the first time that you saw another Asian American or just Asian and you're like, oh, I identify with this person. Like that person is like me. And, and did that conjure up a sense of belonging or was that, I don't know, what was that like? I wouldn't say I had any, any, I guess, Asian role models growing mm. up. I, I would say it was a standard, typical kid where I did things like play video games and sports. So, you know, I might, I, I do recall watching a lot of sports uh, on TV. So I liked baseball. Uh, I didn't watch a lot of basketball, but um, we didn't have, you know, the, the thunder like Oklahoma has now. But there, there was mostly football, you know, tennis. I played tennis as a kid. I played pretty much any sport that my dad would teach me. Uh, a lot of what I learned, I, I do hold um, 
as my dad as the kind of the role model for everything and the things that he did. He started windsurfing, and so I wanted to windsurf. He played table tennis, so I wanted to play table tennis. He could play piano with, you know, he never really took lessons. And so I would try to learn the piano without really wanting to take lessons from an actual teacher. Yeah. Uh, and, and it was always something that I, I was doing just uh, based on whatever my dad was doing. And, uh, you know, I think that maybe that's just typical standard boy, you know, dad relationship. But uh, a lot of a lot of what I do today is is based on the things that he's done, even from, you know, random things like memorizing pie to 50 places. So Can you still do it? Uh, I could do pretty far. I don't know if I can get to 50. OK, anymore, go. But, uh, I want to see how far you can go. <laughs> Oh jeez, three point one four one five nine two six five three five two. <laughs> See, that's on the spot. <laughs> that's already a hundred numbers farther than I would ever get. That's as far no, as I yeah, get. I, okay. That's you didn't amazing. want to do chemistry though. You didn't take up so, chemistry though after him. I didn't. But all of my science fair projects were definitely chemistry related, which was pretty funny. And I talked to my dad about it now. I was like, "Do you remember doing this project?" And he goes, "No." I like, yeah, I mean, you pretty much did it for me, but. You know, I mean, my science fair projects were all like like acids and bases, electroplating. Uh, I think one year we did uh, the electroplating one was actually really cool. We copper coated a, a, a quarter, but you know, just little, you know, nerdy chemistry things. And, uh, uh, you know, I just those are the things that I did. I never wanted to be a chemist, <laughs> you know, but, uh, you know, that was the age of where computers were coming out. So I just I followed the computer path. Nice. Just wrote that. Rode that wave. That's cool. Yeah, um, rode so, the wave at the beginning. So you uh, said that you were adopted at five months, and you're in like your early forties now, right? Mm-hmm. Um, would you say that you've been on the the journey of exploring your Korean American adoptee identity that whole time? Would you say it's been start and stop, or would you say like you really dropped it and then kind of came back to that later in life? Yeah. No. I mean. I, I know a lot of people always ask me when I was young, hey, you want to search for your parents? You want to find your parents and more heritage? And, and I didn't at the time. I, I The most I wanted to learn was things like what the Korean War was, uh, you know, cities in Korea. I never really even had any, definitely no ability to have any Korean food. And so I never had anything until, uh, you know, I moved out to California. I, I might have had a little bit in Colorado in college. But, but yeah, I was always looking for... Um, you know, just something to, to learn, but there wasn't much, there wasn't internet. There wasn't uh, a whole right. lot of resources. Yeah. I learned it from a, an encyclopedia Britannica. So Ooh, I love those. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we had the whole set. So, but uh, yeah, hey, that, I just that remember was seeing my, those on my parents' wall being like, why, why are they here? I don't understand. <laughs> they had the words and the pictures though, which was the best part of the, the encyclopedia. They had Britannica. pictures? Yeah. They oh, had yeah, pictures some. and stuff. Lots of Whoever animals, told my parents those Britannicas, <laughs> they did not get you the right You got the copy. picture list yeah. edition. <laughs> the pictures were more. You, you should have gone with the better <laughs> option. Uh, I wasn't uh, around. I didn't have damn. any say. Yeah, I know. But uh, yeah, no, I, I I would say that I at one point in college is really where I started connecting more with with uh, um, anything Asian American. Uh, you know, I knew there was an Asian Pacific Islander club. They tried to recruit me and I was like, eh, maybe, but I uh, wasn't really interested. So I I kind of just did my own research from then on um, whenever I needed to learn something more. I even did a study. Somebody was doing a master's paper in college about uh, Korean adoptees. And so I, I volunteered. I was like, sure, I'll do it. And you know, I answered a bunch of questions, uh, you know, listened uh, to some information and facts that they told me, like uh, 
you know, one of the questions I always thought was really amusing that, that when they asked me, I was like, oh, how do you feel about the word banana or Twinkie? <laughs> and I was like, hungry? <laughs> so, <laughs> but I, I didn't know. I'd never heard of a, a, any term or even in a derogatory term like that, yeah. where I was, you know, supposed to feel something about being, you know, white on the inside and yellow on the outside. So uh, a lot of my, I think maybe it was just, I didn't know uh, what kind of things were out there until college. And, and then of course, California. Do you know what the name of that study was? Uh, I don't, but they did give me a copy of it. And I know I have it somewhere in my, in uh, my files somewhere. It was, you know, it was a pretty big study, but uh have you guys done any of those things? Have you you never done any other Asian studies uh, interviews or no? Found, found something at college. What about your Asian, uh, you know, Asian Pacific Islander clubs? Did you have those well, too? I thought that was really funny that you said that because a lot of the things that I've heard is that some of these clubs in college, unless you were really really leaning into your Asianness or whatever the the thing was, they were very exclusionary to adoptees because it was like. Mm you're a little too different and not fluent enough in the language or not close enough to the culture. Um, so I thought that was pretty interesting. You said they tried to recruit you. I'm like, they didn't try to recruit me. Come on. Uh, maybe they didn't know I was adopted. Ooh. That's why. And then when they found out, they would have retracted that. <laughs> Ooh. Interesting. If now parents aren't rescinded. forcing you into this major, then <laughs> yeah. you really don't belong here. Yeah. No, I, I ended up going, going into a fraternity instead. So, you know, that was, that was, a lot more fun for me. <laughs> nice. So, okay, so you said that your your journey really began in college, but what was the the impetus for that? Like, was there like a, a specific moment that you remember being like, oh, I really care about this now? Or was it just kind of like you woke up one day? Yeah. For the Korean adoptee portion of it and actually moving forward with that, I would say about six years ago when I saw that documentary, um, a.k.a. Dan, um, it was uh, Dan Matthews. Uh, his his story and his journey of of looking for his family and and finding them and all of the stuff that they talked about really connected with me. I really related to that, and I think maybe that's what I needed was something relatable, something more like, oh, I can. I, this is very similar to me. And so once I I saw that documentary and even met Dan at the premiere, I. I decided that I think it was the following week that I would contact the agency that I was adopted through and start looking. And, and, you know, I went through all the process. It still took me eight months to, to complete all the paperwork and discuss everything over. But finally, when I, I did do everything, it, uh, uh, you know, it was only two months before I actually started hearing some, um, some stuff back. Eight months of paperwork must've been terrible. You know, I was I was busy. This was also at a time when I was like, you know, doing other things, and I it wasn't, you know, it took me forty years to get to this point. So I want to make sure I read through all the the you know the paperwork. Took your time with that fine sure. print. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. Just in case, and it wasn't expensive. That's something that I was uh, surprised about. That they were like, no, this isn't going to be a big process. It's more the paperwork cost, and uh, so I just filled out uh, the questionnaire. They want to make sure you're in the right mindset. Uh, for it because there's a lot of potential um, outcomes that could be um, negative towards myself or towards the family even. So, you know, it was a good questionnaire, I feel. And uh, yeah, that's, you know, once I, once I filled it out and paid my, my dues, I was, I just waited for that phone call. So Nice. Yeah. And so for those, uh, you, you talked a lot about your story um, in other places on the Dear Asian Americans podcast. There was a, an article that someone picked up, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, on board Panda and Coriam also. Yeah, so uh, so people can go and, and they can find that if they want to like really dig into that. But I was curious, um, 
you know, so you you opened up your case and you found out that your birth family was basically just waiting for you to open that case, right? Um, and just waiting for you to to begin yeah. that process to to hear back um, so that you could get reconnected. Um, what was that like? Because I, I haven't started my own journey. Um, and from the paperwork that I've seen, and my wife asked me what, if she's like, do you know anything? I'm like, I mean, I, I saw a paper one time, but I haven't like studied it. I don't have a strong mental image. So like, I know that I have um, a sibling or I think I have a sibling. I think that's what it says. But what was it like to, when you heard back uh, to hear that your birth family was waiting for you, did you feel excited? Did you feel like super anxious about that? Were you like, oh gosh, I hope that I'm, I don't know what was going through your head. Yeah, I've definitely felt anxious. I was like, oh man, I, I should have done this sooner because of that. <laughs> yeah. that they'd been waiting. I, I mean, I think all of this time I always assumed that I wouldn't find anything or that I wouldn't, uh, uh, you know, especially after 30, when I did it, it was 37 years, you know, I was like, ah, 37 years, you know, there's I'm not going to find anything or they're not going to be there. There's no way they could find it. They didn't, find have computers back then anyway that would uh, keep all the records and things like that but uh but surprisingly they keep pretty good records i guess and uh it, it all they did have to do was connect the uh the address of where um, my parents last lived and uh, one of my family members was there and so yeah they they instantly connected with me because they had been waiting and they uh, um and even my brother this is something that i know someday we may talk about too in our show uh but he had us there was a little bit of a superstition thing. He actually had a dream uh, the night before that somebody was trying to contact him and he didn't know who. What? And so he was like, there's there's somebody trying to contact me in his dream and he didn't know who. And so whatever, he woke up, went to work the next day. That day, he got the phone call that somebody had left a message oh, from dang. him and was looking for him. No! And so he rushed home. I think he <laughs> left work actually to get home, to get the message and contact the agency as quick as possible. That is mind and say, yes, yes, we want to connect. And so they had to do their own portion, sign paperwork, do yeah. all kinds of things as well before the process actually completed. But once it finally did, um, then he could write an email, it could get translated and then he sent two photos. And so when I got those photos, I just remember it was just a surreal experience looking um, at this photo, because that was the first. Well, first thing is the phone call, which was interesting enough. She asked me if I wanted to sit down, and you know, this lady from the agency was, you know, just being careful because she knows. I think in her mind, she knew this was a rare um, thing, and so she goes, "Your parents unfortunately have passed away, but you have siblings. You have six siblings, and they've been waiting for you to contact them." And and it's just like I remember thinking, "Whoa, I have six siblings," yeah. <laughs> and so. You know, I mean, I it was just it was it was surreal, and so I rushed home. Waited for my wife to get home too, and we opened the email that had the the letter directly from him with the photos. And I read the uh, the email, and it had detailed information. I mean, one of the first three things on there was you know how my parents passed and what years they passed. Um, my my dad passed, uh, I think it was in the late nineties, but my uh, mom passed actually only two thousand and eleven. So only three years prior to me looking for them, she passed away. And yeah. so I kind of, uh, I felt bad a little bit about missing it by that, uh, by that time. But, um, but seeing the photo and all the details that, uh, that he put in that email was just, it was mind boggling. Because the first picture I saw was a picture of him with my parents, uh, my brother and my parents, and then his wife. And I just looked at that photo of him and I looked 
more like him than I looked like my parents. And so that really just connected with me. I'm like, wow, I have a brother. I have a brother who looks like me. Yeah. And then I have five sisters. I mean, it was, it was, it was pretty amazing. Yeah. Was it nice to have a brother after having grown up with an adopted sister? Were you always like, man, I wish I had a brother as well. Yeah, I did. And that was something funny that I think not only I had that feeling that I've always wanted a brother, but he had that feeling. And that was something that, uh, you know, is, is an amazing thing because he not only, you know, grew up, I grew up with one sister, he grew up with five sisters. <laughs> and so, you know, he's like, ah, and not only that, they knew that I, that I was around because they knew I was born and then adopted. So he knew that they had given the boy, the younger brother away. And so I think he was like, oh, you guys gave away my brother, you know, <laughs> adoption. And so that is um, fodder for just being picked on. By yeah, right. No, <laughs> man, I'd be terrified of my brother. They did say that. They said that they picked on him a lot and things like that. And, <laughs> and be he nice was like, if you were like, oh my gosh, no, I always waited. Yeah. So it was it was an interesting experience to to hear the stories. I, I've heard a few, but uh, um, yeah, I mean it. For him, again, to wait all this time to find me uh, and then finally connect with me. And I've seen him now in the last six years. I've seen him three times. And uh, one of those times when I actually went to Korea uh, to visit the whole family, he was there and he toured, um, you know, gave me a tour of, of all the areas. We went out to the East uh, Korea area toward the, the mountains. And uh, I remember we were walking around at this, uh, the mountaintop. We took this little tour up to Saraksan and we were walking around this amazing, beautiful view. And he picks up a snowball and he throws it at me. <laughs> and I'm like, like, see, and I'm, I'm at this time, I'm, uh, see, I was probably about 39, 40 when, when we it's met. Like, I've he's 50 years. <laughs> 11 years older than me. So he's 51. And oh, here's the other thing he has two daughters. So again, he's surrounded by women. And so here I am I with testosterone. my brother. Yeah. And he throws a snowball at me because he's probably never either thrown a snowball or maybe he's got a lot of, you know, crap about throwing snowballs at his daughters. I don't know. But it was just a, was it a, a good funny snowball? Well, it was a good snowball. So he's been waiting for a while to, to yeah. build that up and throw it. Every year I would climb to the top. About 40 years. Yeah. He's been waiting 40 years to throw a snowball at his brother. You just go and here it was. Cave and there's just like so many snowballs. <laughs> These are for you. Get I ready. I led you here for this reason. Whoa! <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's like, there's the whole reason to go to the top of the mountain. Like, oh, snow <laughs> but it was just funny. He was making up for lost time, I think. Yeah. And there was, there was a lot of that on that trip uh, back to Korea. A lot of things I, I saw that, that, um, that he wanted to tell me, uh, that he wanted to show me. But yet, you know, we couldn't really because we were limited on our, our, yeah. our uh, dialogue. That... Your story is like such a fairy tale, uh, almost. Like it's really, really beautiful. Um, and I know that not all um, adoptees looking for their family stories go like that. So um, I think it's really special to hear something that that uh, positive and that uplifting. Um, I'm curious. So you mentioned um, in in another podcast that your family brought you to the graveside of your parents, um, and that they had. Uh, a space saved for you um, because they have like, uh, you know, like a place for the names to be written, right? For the names of all the family, right? Um, and I was just thinking about, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. So so for me, um, when I was adopted, I my parents kept my Korean name as my middle name um, and I know my uh, Korean family name. Uh, so I don't know. 
I guess would you know would you put your Nathan Nowak name? Do you have a given Korean name that you're aware of? Would you put like your Korean name on that, or would you put like some combination of the two? Or I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, that's it'd be a curious thing. I, I think when they said uh, when we talked about it, they said they were going to put my American name. Mm. Um, but the funny thing is, the very first time I met any of them, the I met my youngest sister first, and then I met the rest of the family. And a lot of the times, they did call me by my Korean name. What is this? Sang Gil. Sang. Sang Gil. So Sang Gil. But uh, yeah, they 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 called me that for the first few interactions. And I remember it was weird because no one's ever called me by that name. Um, I've known the name and I've used it. I even used it as an email in college. Yes, that's what um, I do, man. I, yeah, I mean, there, there, I, it's not a name that I've completely abandoned. Sure. I actually like the name. Um the middle name is actually funny. It's spelled K I L, so that's why you know pronounce. They always pronounce it by like Gil, Gil, you know. But I used to, when I didn't really know how to pronounce it, I was like, "Don't mess with me. My middle name's Kill." <laughs> yes. <laughs> See, that's what I feel like being ignorant of the Korean language really comes in handy. Like my first screen yeah. name, so I used Junte for all the things, but Kang was my original one. So my buddy was like, "Yo, A I M Kang the Fang," and I was like, "Yeah, don't come after me." Just that little like. <laughs> 12-year-old boy on AOL Instant Messenger. He'd be like, sup, fools? It was amazing. <laughs> I never used my name for that, for anything like that. I was always like, nah, I'll just be Patrick, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> what's your What's your name? Uh, my Korean name is uh, Young Jin Kim, um, but I okay. believe it was a given at the either the adoption agency or wherever. I don't know if that is my family name, so... Yeah, well, it's never too late to start using it for something. That's true. Or maybe maybe you use it for passwords and you're just not telling us. That's true. <laughs> well, okay, can we edit that out? Nope. Just uh, go ahead and list it off, though, just so we can have that. Uh, do you need the spelling? <laughs> the spelling, please. Start from the start. So you, you've met with your birth family a number of times, and um, I know that the family is really important to you. Uh, you threw a big party for one of your kids' first birthdays that your brother came to is am i remembering that correctly yeah so uh you know the big korean birthday is the first birthday the doljanchi um so the the i felt it was a thing that i should honor and uh, hold for my son so we did we we had the whole party and um did all the things that you would normally do we even had this doljabi where you you put the items on the floor and he he crawls to the item and picks one of the items and that's supposed to foreshadow his career down the road and okay yeah so so just start over for a second because this is super interesting to me because i don't have kids yet um okay. and i i have no idea what a doljanchi is and when we were talking about naming the show uh, Jerry was like, Janchi, that makes sense. I mean, celebration. And then you came in hot with the Doljanchi. I was like, what is that? I only know Bibimbap and Doso Bibimbap. So I don't think it's a hot stone birthday party. Uh, so, so, okay, so Doljanchi is... Uh, <laughs> I love seeing First celebration, Jerry, yeah. yeah. First yeah. birthday celebration. Okay, uh, and so that... Yeah. So what are the... You said you... Did all the things, heavy air quotes. What is all of the things? Yeah, so there's there's different levels. This party is a different level. And I only know this because I photographed them, you know, throughout mm. my career here. Um, oh, okay. I've never been to one as a guest. Yeah. So you've I've only never, worked. Uh, I don't know that yeah. many people. <laughs> I've only worked. Okay, exactly. Yeah. But they've been an, a range from just a simple 
you know, a house party kind of thing to an elaborate restaurant with full on decorations. And, you know, they do family photo shoot. It's a lot of like gifts and um, decorations. I mean, it's like the, the biggest party for the, the kid at the beginning of their life. They will never remember, wow. but you know, it's, it's a thing that I really thought was neat just mainly because of the one portion of this party called the Doljabi where they, um, have this foreshadowing portion of, you know, the kid's career in the future and their life and whatever they want to pursue. And they, they crawl across a, a mat to, uh, an item and you as the parent get to pick these items and place them out. Um, so you can put a, you can put money, you can put a gavel, you know, for something judicial, you can put a book for something in education, a stethoscope for medical, you can put a ball for sports, um, microphone, I've seen a pencil microphone. I've seen microphones for, for entertainers. Rapper. Yeah. For any, and anything in the entertainment. <laughs> Exclusively rapping though, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Only rapping. Yeah. Yes. I'm sure you can cater it to whatever you want to put out there. I mean, I saw one family put out like, I think it was a stack of like $1,000 bills or something like that. I mean, you well, that know, just seems you know, unnecessary. You can, You're not going to yeah, be rich. Exactly, You're going to hey, be rich. <laughs> we don't want you to just grab a $1 bill. We want you to grab a stack. <laughs> but uh, honestly, it's, it's whatever you want to put out. And there's a whole list of things that you can, that you can do. So yeah, my first son grabbed the, uh, the, the, the stethoscope. So we, think he may be in the medical career if, as if this goes that way. My second son, when we had his, uh, grabbed a calculator. And so maybe he's going to be you know, an engineer of some sort. Yeah. But, uh, for both of these events, my brother, um, well, actually, so the first one, my brother came to, uh, all the way from Korea with his wife. And that was a really touching, um, you know, uh, sentiment that he would come out here all the way, to, to experience my son's first birthday. And not only that, you know, he, he brought gifts and stuff too. Wow, so, yeah. uh, from the family, cause that's an, another thing that you always do is you bring gifts, um, um, into the, to the children for their first birthday. Was that your brother's first time to the States? Uh, he, I think he had been a couple times before, but, but meetings and things, I don't think it was, uh, um, he definitely wanted to see a lot of, uh, of the area as well. So we did drive around and a little bit and, and stuff and showed him the beach and things no snowballs in california no, no snowballs here <laughs> no. <laughs> and i took him out to venice beach and i grabbed yeah. some sand and i pushed him in the water <laughs> yeah. i found a jellyfish and i said get in there <laughs> been waiting 50 years <laughs> look we have beaches but, uh, in korea bro <laughs> uh yeah it was really nice that he came out for that and he keeps uh he didn't come out for my son, son's my second son's uh birthday but he came out shortly after um and then he says he's going to come out for my daughter's first birthday which will be next year so uh, we'll see if he comes you know depending on the pandemic so uh that'd be that'll be interesting if he can make it out fingers crossed that he can that'd be cool yeah so um let's switch gears and we'll come back to because i'm i'm interested in how you've kind of manually manually i'm interested in how you've tried to navigate the balance between like being an American family and being a Korean Asian family. Uh, cause your wife is not white. She is Asian mm-hmm. and not just one Asian, but two Asians, right? <laughs> yeah. She's uh, half just Chinese, a one person. She's still one person. Navigated yes. there. <laughs> she is. She is one person. Okay. A, a, 
blend of those two cultures and then i am a blend of korean and american so in a way we're like a blend of our children will be a blend of four cultures i, I don't know it's, i still think of them as like the trifecta of trifecta of asian cultures like a neapolitan so, twinkie yeah exactly <laughs> there you go that actually sounds really good like, it doesn't though i'm Get never like you know what sounds good a twinkie never come out of my mouth what not even when you're like what? seven You've never had a Twinkie, or you just don't. No, like I've them? had Twinkies. I just don't really no. care for sweets. You gave him a one star review out right there. I can tell. I would wow. prefer just like McDonald's fries. Interesting. Mm-hmm. We're gonna we're gonna talk about that later. All right, yeah, that's gonna be yeah. <laughs> your Midwest is showing. <laughs> what? <laughs> Y'all get out of here. Um, fries. Anyways, so what? I'm I'm curious. What was? Like when you were dating, uh, did you feel any pressure from yourself or from other people to date an Asian or were you just like, I'm just going to date who I want to date? Good question. Um, everyone I've ever dated before my wife has been Caucasian. So yeah, it's, it's always been not, not something that by choice or, um, Again, options are limited. Those are just the ponds you were swimming yeah. in. Yeah, there were more, you know, in college specifically. I do know that there were Asians out there, um, but there, I didn't really hang out with them as often, I would say. I mean, they're, again, like I was in a fraternity and I was the only Asian in my fraternity for most of it. There was, you know, uh, one other later when almost when I left. But um, so everyone I ever dated was was Caucasian until california uh you know my options were a lot more broad and i uh you know Less met my people. wife actually yeah. through <laughs> photography now yeah, i was taking some photos and then met her and didn't even think about it uh mainly is because i was trying to be professional i'm working i'm taking photos hey, good on you bro you know, i was just gonna be the the professional guy <laughs> and then yeah and then after you know she she was actually uh talking to her friend on the way home uh and her friend kept saying what He's an, another Asian who likes country music. You, know, <laughs> you like country, country music? music? We are going to have to have words after this recording. <laughs> you can come after me for my enjoyment of McDonald's fries, and I'm going to I'm going to talk to you about that. Oh, there are some stereotypes from my Oklahoma heritage. For sure, but, <laughs> um, and I'll shout out to Brahms. No, so yeah, oh. I I definitely uh, you know like country music, and she liked country music. She actually did some country line dancing up in uh, college. Do you two yeah, step? So yeah, we, we we've done a little, but not much. She does a lot more than I do. I'm okay. not a very good answer. And uh, so her her friend was like, "Dude, ask him out, ask him out." So she asked me out, and so when she asked me out, uh, I I decided it was fair game. I was like, "Okay, love that." Uh, <laughs> I I will I will go out on a date. And actually, I upped the Andy. She just wanted to go out for drinks. I was like, well, "Let's just go to dinner." So oh, look at you! I like that. Is that a thing? Yeah. Okay, here's the deal. So <laughs> I have not dated anyone besides my wife so like high school dating is all i know so like (laughs) drinks being more or dinner being more than drinks would not have understood that i'm just like i don't i don't even know so is that that upping the ante is that it was upping the ante a little bit yeah and because a drinks gives you a shorter period of time in case things are not connecting where you can go oh look at the time gotta go so uh so there's a less amount of time whereas dinner you're kind of locked in especially if it's if it's horrible in those first five minutes of sitting down you're like now i gotta wait for the entree to get interesting here. <laughs> okay so that's ever happened to me but interesting so what 
was part of your choice to do dinner motivated by the fact that you didn't want to become super red in front of her? Or were you like, she's Asian, she gets it. <laughs> she, yeah, I think she got that. Okay. The, the Asian glow thing. Anyway, it was more along the lines of, um, we had such a good connection during the photo shoot and, and uh, just oh, talking yeah. and interacting. I knew it was going to go well. So um, I didn't, you know, even if we had just gone for drinks, I probably would have said, hey, let's go to dinner after drinks and stuff. So yeah, it was, it was great. And, you know, I, apparently it was the good decision because now three three kids and 10 years later. So I love the are. confidence. I knew it was going to go well. So I just said dinner. <laughs> dinner and we'll just call it right there. Yeah. Dinner to marriage. <laughs> it's a straight line, right? That should be a podcast. Dinner to marriage. I, I like think that. that's called <laughs> Love is Blind on Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> Have you guys watched that show? Okay, we're getting off topic. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so you've been, you said especially in the last, I think, six years, right? You've been kind of on this journey of uh, being Korean American and living with the hyphen and uh, exploring this part of your identity. Uh, what are you learning or what are you most excited about right now with regards to that part of your identity? And it can be anything from like, this is my new favorite food or TV show to like this cultural item or practice is cool or, you know, whatever. Anything, honestly, that has to do with Korean culture. I mean, I, I'm a foodie at, at heart in general. So I love food. I love snacks. I love drinks. You know, I, I can do a little bit of everything there. And so um, I, I constantly am going to Korean restaurants. Uh, you know, I love um, all the different types of foods I've had. And so I try, I try new things. I would love to pronounce some of them. I'd love to make some of them at home. I have mm. actually bought some items. Luckily here in California, I have uh, access to Korean supermarkets. So I've been trying to make a little bit at home, uh, but it's the, it's funny. The, the journey lately has been just that it's like exploring things that are at the Korean market and trying them out and, and making thing, them at home. Cause I want to give them to my kids. So we've been making a lot of things for my kids that um, I definitely never had as a kid growing up. I had pizza, yeah. I had you know fried chicken and Mexican food, and that was what I was raised on um, steak and potatoes stuff. Uh, I never had any real you know uh, authentic Korean or Asian food in general until you know college and definitely until California. So um, so yeah, what, like for example, one of the things I my brother and his family taught us how to make was uh, gimbap. And I've never had That's that before. Korean sushi? Essentially Korean sushi, yes. right. And nice. I didn't know what that was, though. You, you had asked me that, you know, two years ago before he came. I actually wouldn't have known that. So I've actually only learned this within the last, you know, two years. And I remember eating it and just going, this is great, you know. And so since that time, that visit, we've been making it. And my kids love it because they actually like sushi. But now if we, you know, the little twist on it is, you know, it's it's Korean sushi. And, you know, it's a yeah. little bit different stuff. It's not raw fish. Um, so you put that in it and, and they love it. And so, uh, you know, now I've expanded my, my palate and theirs as well at the same time. So whatever I can find out there, I'm going to keep exploring and hopefully, uh, you know, giving more stuff to them. So I want to go on the record and say, I definitely knew what Gimbap was. Definitely knew 100% knew what it was. I, I only, I remember <laughs> this, this will forever stick out in my mind because, uh, in middle school, I like really closely interacted with another Korean American and he was like, yo, I was like, what can you tell me about my culture? Cause I don't know. And he's like, okay, check this out. Kimbap is literally like rice punch. And I was like, what? He's <laughs> like, yeah, cause Kim punch. is rice and pop is like this. Oh, <laughs> and so I was like, 
what? And he was like, yeah, that's, the, that's it. And I was like, all right, man. So yeah, I just was like, yeah, kimbap. I know what that is. <laughs> it's funny. It, yeah, I, I like it. I mean, I'll, I'll eat any type of food, especially Korean barbecue. I mean, that's that's easy. I mean, not many people dislike it unless you're vegetarian. But uh, <laughs> that's a large caveat. Yeah, so, not many people hate steak unless me, you're. I've been to a Korean barbecue with a vegetarian. Oh, okay. <laughs> that, that's actually kind of funny too in itself. I would just but, like the lettuce of the lettuce wrap, please. Can I just get the the tofu soup, please? Yeah. <laughs> hey, my fiance's vegetarian, so dude, oh, no shade. Go. That's just then you should give her some tofu soup. Okay. She probably like it. Sundabu. Sundabu. It's really good. Sundabu. That's also good. Sundabu. Yeah. That's what this show is like, about. Learning. I know. Like I've food learned food. two food names now. <laughs> and two. what they actually are. Two. Count them. Good. Wait, I mean, I knew what the gimbap was. Yeah, you're on record as saying you definitely knew. <laughs> That's true. Oh, we're sorry. We're, you definitely know. We're going to yeah. have a lot more yeah. coming up. That's we're going to be trying them and eating them. Oh, I That's can't the, wait. With your wife being. You said Chinese and Japanese yeah. and you being Korean and American. And so like even just in the food game, how does that all play out when you're like, well, my kids, our kids need to know about gimbap and also regular sushi and also the Chinese variant of sushi, whatever that is. It's like, do you just get like, do you make three rolls and one of them is each of them? And then like you also have like a pizza on the side. Like what is that? It's just in terms of giving your kids kind of that cultural heritage because they have so much to to draw from from just yeah all of east asia basically like yeah what is that like in terms of navigating their asian american identity and the three asian plus american identities yeah well we never really uh introduce it to my kids as this is a korean dish or this is a japanese dish we just mm-hmm. go this is food and we'll just be happy <laughs> if they eat it you we will eat honest. it for, for any of the parents out until there. you finish it yeah you know, all the where it came from. Two more eat bites, it. please. Eat it. You know all those pictures and, I take? That <laughs> this is what the product or what produces yeah. from that. <laughs> this is so, what comes yeah. of this. No, I mean eventually my kids are still young. I mean, two and yeah. four. So again, they don't oh, so you really don't have to have that conversation. I don't yet. have to have that yet, but it, it will happen. And I mean, they've actually helped make it, so they do know how to make it. Mm. Um, they can eat with chopsticks. Uh, you know, there's definitely some elements of of the cultural uh, education that I do throw in there for them. Um, but a lot of it uh, is, is different. Like you said, I, I have my traditions and my wife has her own traditions. So uh, most of her traditions are, are Japanese traditions. So, you know, for example, they, they snack on a uh, seaweed and they just eat nori sometimes. Yo, I would eat that stuff all day. I never even had that until California. So for 30 years or so, I, I was not aware that that was a snackable item. I mean, I knew seaweed was, was in sushi i would have never right. thought to eat it in a dry cracker like this the squares rectangles. yeah the squares yeah. i just never uh, would have thought of doing that so so they're good. learning a lot from her side and and you know and i'll i'll bring in the old chicken nuggets and pizza side you know <laughs> and uh, uh yeah, yeah, some nugget other, and seaweed i've made some some oklahoma dishes for them before, this salty so. nugget needs more salt <laughs> <laughs> And my a lot of my family is also from Wisconsin. So uh, when we went so back to visit, hella Midwestern. Yeah, yeah. So we went to Wisconsin and had cheese curds, which you know, uh, that's a. Your wife was like, "Have this with seaweed." Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Fuse this <laughs> together. It's Asian fusion. No, it's but, less. It's less squeaky that way. <laughs> that actually doesn't sound bad. I probably would put a 
You've gone too far. You've gone too far. He's like, that could be good. That's so funny. (laughs) Little green, little little healthy with the the bad for you. Oh yeah. Anytime, anytime you say eat your greens, like can I have seaweed? Yeah. So I'll give him seaweed all day long if that's it. I'll eat it. Sure. (laughs) That's funny. Cool. Um, Well, I would say thanks for coming on the show, but it's our show. So (laughs) thanks for staying on the show. (laughs) Thanks for. For co-hosting this with us, and yeah. uh, thanks for making us. this with us. I yeah. appreciate the questions and all the you know the the the, the back and forth. We had a lot of laughs, and this is just episode one. I know. Looking forward to to drilling you guys now and asking some questions of the same nature. I know. I'm ready to be more than just the interjector. I like that <laughs> name though. <laughs> I bust into sentences that need. Uh, explanation. Interjecting! <laughs> like that. I did it. <laughs> that! Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just like Nelly on any track he's on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> hey! Just going hot. What are we eating today? Okay. So today we are eating kimchi, which is a Korean staple. I mean, it is honestly, I know, maybe stereotypic that we're choosing one of the most popular Korean items that maybe everybody even knows or has heard about, but probably a lot of people have not tried. And so, um, you know, I know a lot of Koreans uh, eat it every meal, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Um, So I think it was only fitting that we chose this one as our our first uh, episode uh, food item. Yeah, absolutely. I heard a rumor, not a rumor, just I heard a thing uh, that Koreans start eating this at like kindergarten. Do you know if that's true? Can you corroborate? I would say so. I mean, honestly, I, I've tried to get my kids to eat it. And kindergarten seems so young. Under, they're under kindergarten. My my kids are four and two. <laughs> I don't know. I, mean, I, don't, I, I didn't start eating spicy food until like, I don't know, much later in life comparatively. So I mean, there's different levels of it. Honestly, you there's you know, one year old. Yeah, get out of here. It's there's different levels of spice. I mean, I, oh. when I was at the store looking, it has mild, medium, hot. And so, and then on top of that, I know there's a, a hundreds of different varieties of kimchi. I see I mean, that mine now says classic mild. Okay. See, there you go. So I, feel, I, mean, I don't have a heat sensor on mine. So. <laughs> can't test if it as Maybe that just means regular. it's more authentic, actually. It regular. Not made, and it's not made for Caucasians. <laughs> so. <laughs> Good it's luck. Like, it's like, well, salsa does it. Might, we might as well put one on there for them, too. So. <laughs> go ahead, mate. I mean, yeah. So the one I I found is not even a very Korean name at all. It's just the mommy boss. And I, I I just thought that was a really funny uh, name and logo. It's very cute. So it has a cute little label. Talks. It says healthy and fresh. I don't know. It looks tasty. So that's the one I bought at the store. I, I almost went with a different brand, but they also had one which, again, like I said, there's there's hundreds of different types of kimchi, and there's one of my other favorites, which is a cucumber kimchi. So yes. I got that one just as a uh, uh, for my own little uh, um, take, is it so have. many? Is it so many different kinds, or is it is it always just fermented, like spicy fermented, like vegetables, or is it cabbage specifically? And then there's like you can put other things in there. I guess I've always just kind of wondered about that. Uh, I mean, cabbage is the most common kimchi, but the, like as you can see, the the one with right. cucumbers is still called yeah. kimchi. It's just cucumber kimchi. That one's and, my favorite. And there's a soup kimchi, so it's actually um, like a soup with uh, liquid and a little. There's two different types: one that's clear and one that's got uh, um, some color in it, some of the spice. If you go to uh, uh, you know a Korean restaurant, they'll have the the radish. So the oh yeah, radish as well, the little cubes. Uh, 
kimchi. Mm. I mean, honestly, like I said, you look on the internet, there's hundreds of types. Uh, but yes, the Napa cabbage is the most common one. And, uh, um, I, I've, I've loved it ever since I had it, but I've always loved pickled things. I think for me, you know, I, I, I like pickles, so I was going to try kimchi. Yeah, I definitely did not like pickles when I was younger. Uh, I went to Korea when I was uh, in middle school, and that might have been my first experience with kimchi. Uh, and that was not for me. At that time, I was not eating spicy food, which was uh, much dismaying for my family because they were like, you don't even like salsa? I was like, no, it's too spicy. I can't do it, but I'll eat the chips all day. Um so I didn't like pickles. I didn't like pickled things. I didn't like spicy things. So kimchi was just a big no-no. But I ate it because I was in Korea and I wanted to try all the things. And it was cold. And I did not expect that because it's just for me, mm-hmm. hot and spicy always go together. So like cold yeah. and spicy was not – it was a weird thing for my 12-year-old body to experience. Uh, but now I've really come to love it. And actually as of recording this podcast just this morning, I made myself kimchi fried rice because I didn't have nice. anything else. So uh, – yeah, that's something I've seen a lot more often too. Is that not kimchi is just the side, you know, banchan, you know, dish that you that you eat at the beginning. It's it's made in things like fried rice, omelets. Um, I have a scallion pancake that has kimchi in it. Uh, it's it's being used in a lot of other things that are not just by itself, which I think is really cool. So that might be a good way of trying it first if if anybody was hesitant on, on trying it just plain straight out of a, a jar, but. I'm diving right in that jar. I'm diving right into that <laughs> have jar. You, have you? You've had I it have, before. Right? I thought I had had it, but I don't know. I think I might have been thinking of something else, and I really don't know what that was that I was thinking of. So oh, this is so exciting. So you yeah. got your kimchi from Target, right? Target kimchi, <laughs> yeah. which got is the, means it's amazingly your brand again. Soul brand. Soul brand. I've heard of that brand. Raw and healthy. Yeah. Our yeah. grandma's kimchi recipe with fresh Korean chili peppers, ginger, nice. garlic, and bottled fresh. So nice. I'm ready to get the bubbly zing of healthy probiotics. So I'm pretty excited about that. Okay, yeah. Uh, so real quick, mine is Gangnam uh, Kimchi, uh, which came from the Korean market here in Springfield. Um, it's the one that I found that was the size that I want because it comes in like 40-gallon buckets. And I was like, I'm not that Korean. So uh, just a salsa jar is all I needed. Uh, so yeah, yeah, so there that is. They I'm friends with somebody on Facebook who has been posting pictures of the same jug of kimchi just slowly going down, and then <laughs> it was ha- it was like half full, and then one day later it was all gone. I was like, no! No. I was like, excuse me. Whoa. Like I said, We're not every having meal. parties right now. Every meal, man. <laughs> okay. No, when I was at the Korean market, I mean, there was a whole section. It's like it's larger than the dairy section at a regular grocery store, and it was this is a section just for kimchi. On top of that, I, I've, I'm a part of a, a Korean um, Facebook group that actually is Korean cooking, and people were talking about uh, uh, kimchi refrigerators, which I thought was really interesting because because kimchi is so pungent and, and has such a, a smell to it that you don't want to keep it in the refrigerator because the smell could uh, leak out to the other food in, in your refrigerator. So they have specific refrigerators just for kimchi. I'm like, wow, that's dedication. So <laughs> it's Mine says to keep refrigerated, so sorry, my other groceries. Dude, All right, let's eat it. Are we doing this? Just eat it because I I love it, but I'm curious to try this brand. Woo! I'm immediately hit by what's that smell? (laughs) I know. Which I forgot, but it's just so concentrated in the jar. Mine is overflowing. Oh, nice. That's probably a good thing. Mine had a big sticker that said "bubbling may occur." So yeah, 
So don't spill it on your that pantalone. tastes amazing. Just the just the fermented juice. I licked it yeah. off my hand. That tasted great. I think as a kid, the reason I didn't have it the first time was because it was called fermented. And I think in my mind, I think fermented just seemed weird to me. But if they had just said pickled, like it was pickled vegetables, because I loved pickles, but they didn't call pickles fermented. You know, it's it's. I think they just needed to say something different to me that would make me try it at a younger age. Uh, I'm not even going to use yeah. this fork. I'm going to use my hands and just eat these top pieces off the top. So nice. The okay. Two of yeah, us are eating, eating it with authentic metal chopsticks, whereas Patrick <laughs> is eating it with a metal fork. So, nope. But to each their own. Oh, I'm just going to. My natural chopsticks. These hands, <laughs> baby. <laughs> and I've I'm never just actually say, thought. This is actually uh, great. I was really worried I, about trying this, and this tastes amazing. Yeah. I'm reverting back to my 12-year-old self. I don't know if I could eat this on its own. As a side dish, I love it. In stuff, I love it. On its own, don't love it. A lot of the time when I've had it, I, I like having it with rice. Right. So mm-hmm. I like the, the going back and forth from spicy to kind of just a bland, sticky rice. But I think I need that because this is a little yeah. hard for me. If I could put this on some rice right now, heaven. Yeah. Let me get some rice. So I also bought the one that had the cucumber just because I wanted to try some of that. I haven't had that in a while. And that's pretty good, too. I really like the the cucumber. It's not like a pickle. It's a little, I would say, it's 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 mushier than a, a pickle. Pickles sometimes are crispier. Um, and this one's just kind of more of a, maybe, again, it's not fresh. But mm. oh, it's in a jar. So All right, I so like that. I wonder if it's the Target brandness of it that's making me like it so much. Again, there's a lot of different kinds. I've seen ones that are less less red that have less of the uh, chili pepper flakes in it. So, gochujara, I believe. I'm gonna we're gonna be butchering Korean words, I think, on this show. So, one of the things that I keep looking up and I'm seeing like, all these words, I'm like, I don't know. If take I'm them, right. take them to the back and just chop them up. Notice yeah, I haven't but, said a single Korean word. <laughs> but yeah, this uh, the, you can tell some are more red than the others. Uh, yeah. I this is pretty liquidy too. I feel like mine isn't as liquidy as I expected. Yeah, I also read the consistency. I also read that uh, that also depends on the region too. Some areas of Korea have more uh, liquidy, and some areas are more salty and pungent. So. All right, so maybe I'm just not cut out for the Gangnam region. I like Gangnam style by side, but not your kimchi as much. So, <laughs> well, keep me Gangnam it. area. Cooking it in things, throw it in some soup, throw it in your rice, you know, fried yeah. rice, kimchi fried rice is great. So, I don't know yeah. that I could really, what, okay, someone, Jerry probably, holla at me if this is wrong, but kimchi soup is kimchi jjigae, right? Jjigae, yeah. Right, so. is that familiar to you? I feel, yeah. okay, here's the deal. So I go to a Korean restaurant, I've been, I've had Korean food before, I eat a little bit more than just the basic bulgogi and bibimbap, uh, but then I go... And like I, I look on the list and it says kimchi jjigae. And I'm like, I know what kimchi is and I don't like it enough for it to be the main flavor of a thing. And then the picture is just like stew. And I'm like, I don't know that I want. I know I said earlier that like cold spicy was weird, but I don't know that I would want hot spicy kimchi either. But if you're into that and you go to a Korean restaurant and it's like doing its best to be authentic presenting or it actually is authentic and chige might be the word that you're looking out for. Um, side note, do y'all's noses get sweaty if you eat spicy food, or is that just me? 
it depends know, on how much and how spicy it is. Yeah. All right. Oh, so. definitely if it's really spicy. And, and l- luckily, I have not found a, a kimchi that is too spicy for me yet. And I almost because when I said that the at the store there was mild, medium, and hot for this one, yeah. I almost bought the hot just to see if I could take it. And I think I would be able to because I can take some pretty hot spices. That's what I want. Uh, I love the heat. Give me that. Yeah. Okay, see, I mean, I feel compared like to I've, Thai, Thailand, and the food there, like I've had some really hot stuff that made me almost die. I feel. I feel like so. I've come a long way since I was a young kid, but this uh, classic <laughs> mild is making my nose sweat. So, oh, well, there you go. I maybe know it's, it's hot and spicy if uh, my pores on my forehead open up to the size of mango oh, covers, yeah, and okay. I just <laughs> drenched in sweat. Just drenched in sweat. Perfect. So that was uh, kimchi. Patrick, wait, had you had this before, or is this your first time eating kimchi? Um, I think it is my first time for real. Wow, Um, this is great. I want welcome. I want to try that cucumber. (laughs) Just gonna go to Target and get kimchi more often. (laughs) I know. I should have bought the uh, one of the two, the other, the second or jar that they had. They only had two left, so I only bought one. Uh, Hot demand in Indianapolis. So I also heard that there are some kimchi's that aren't as fermented, so that are just more fresh. Um, mm. Made fresh, so mm. uh, maybe those are less pungent and also, um, I don't know, just crispier probably. Uh, but I, I, I'm actually curious now. As I said, I love to cook, so kimchi might now be on my list of things to make myself. I've never tried it, so yeah. I keep eating this. Dude, I'm, gonna go nuts. It I'm gonna shut it. It's really great with day old rice if you just make your own fried rice. Yeah. Mix it in with stuff, honestly. I think I can't wait to take this and eat it at work, and people be like, "What is happening?" Kimchi, yeah, and they'll be like, "You'll hear your coworkers be like, What's that smell?'" And be like, "I've made it as an Asian American." (laughs) (laughs) How you know? That's me. So that is the show. Thanks for hanging out with us for episode one of the John Chi show, uh, where we explored kimchi and got to experience Patrick eating kimchi for the first time. So I hope if you are listening to this, that you, if you haven't had it, go out to your local target or Korean market, whichever one is easier to get to, uh, and get yourself some kimchi and, uh, and let us know what your experience was with that. I hope it was as great as mine. (laughs) (laughs) And definitely subscribe to our show. Follow us on uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, uh, where our handle name is John Chi Show. And you can find us there and uh, see what's uh, coming up in the next episodes. We'll see you next week. 